When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With each mortgage-free home, the Tunnel to Towers Foundation delivers on its promise to do good and never forget the sacrifices America's greatest heroes have made for us. Heroes that put their lives on the line for all of us, risking their lives for our country and our communities. These heroes need your help now more than ever. Help America's heroes. Donate $11 a month to Tunnel to Towers at T2T.org. That's T, the number two, T.org. Hi, everyone. I'm Dr. John White, WebMD's Chief Medical Officer and host of the Spotlight On series from WebMD's Health Discovered podcast. For this special two-part episode, you'll hear up-close and personal journeys about being diagnosed with a rare type of cancer, multiple myeloma. He looked at me. I have been his patient for more than 20 years. And he said, this is really strange. You're an African-American, age 57. I've never seen this before. This back pain that you're continually having with no signs of osteoporosis. No signs, exactly. And I didn't have any signs of osteoporosis in my family history. Listen to Health Discovered on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. The Clark sisters promised me that Jesus was a love song. Well, listen, there definitely wasn't any love in Potomac this past weekend. If there was a love song in Potomac, it it had a trap beat underneath it or a hip hop beat. It had some underneath it. Or it, it was produced by Gucci Mane or Young Jeezy or 2 Chainz. that Dr. Matty Moss didn't have anything to do with that love song. It's your weekly Housewives Roundup episode, a.k.a. Your new All Things Potomac episode of Me and You, The Housewives, and Marvel 2. Let's do it. Listen, the Clark sisters, all they also told me that there was a bomb in Gilead. And for those of you that don't know, in Church talk, as I say, a bomb is like a healer or a soother. Well, listen, with all them bloody lips and leaky scalps <laughs> that left out of that cold ass barn that Giselle had them people in to celebrate that book. I hope that uh, a bomb was in uh, Potomac or, or Great Falls or D.C. or Arlington or Val Vista or wherever the hell all these people live. Everywhere except Potomac, I guess. Me saying that there's a bomb in Potomac won't do no good because I think only one of them lives there. That we'll listen. That ain't none of my business. I love the show anyway. Y'all, y'all can live in uh, <laughs> y'all can live uh, straight up in Baltimore for all I care. I still listen. Listen, let's go ahead and get this thing cracking because. You know, with these past few Potomac episodes, I take so many notes that there's no reason to mention anybody else on Bravo by the time I get done with the episode because I've already been talking for 17 hours. So this episode, just like the last one, is all things Potomac. You know that stretch of episodes 8, 9, and 10, they were going to be everything we needed them to be. Episode 8, everything we needed it to be. Episode 9, which is the one I'm talking about, Everything we needed it to be the one that's coming up this Sunday, just based on the clips that I've seen so far. And the fact that Giselle plays all day, every day, I already know it's going to be just as good as the past two that we've seen. So let's go ahead and get started talking about it. Can I just start off by saying I feel like this is the longest that Bravo has ever shown a physical confrontation, not only the longest We've never got, I'm so used to those like bad girls club edits where when somebody like throws a punch, you see fireworks shooting and the screen blackout, it give you a seizure because it's, uh, they get a little epilepsy warning before you actually, uh, start watching the fight. There was none of that smoke and mirrors going on this time. Bravo 
showed from the time Candace flipped, not Candace, Monique flipped that first piece of hair to the time she chased that girl out to the car. My God, my God. And now I'm just going to pose a question to you and then I'm going to move on with my uh, my analysis of the rest of the episode. Because, you know, usually I don't just go scene by scene talking about it. But these Potomac episodes have been so jam packed lately that it almost it's almost a necessity that I touch on every little thing. I won't touch on every single thing, but I'm going to talk about some things just because some of these characters play all day. And I need to touch on some of the things that uh that either them or production because <laughs> you know their production they are just as shady as the cast members if they did something that we need to talk about we'll talk about that scene just because of that but i'm gonna leave you with this question was it me or do you think that they did that one so that all us fans you know they hyped this fight up for so long so we could actually get all the information we needed to actually discuss this online so that maybe it would generate some discussion around the show. You know, we already talk about Potomac every single week, but maybe they, you know, this was something to get the ratings up and, you know, have everybody, all the Bravo celebrities, all the Bravo holics talking about this. Or do you think it was to give a cast member, I'm not saying which one, I'm just, you know, because there are a couple it could apply to. Do you think it was to give one of them a good or a bad edit? Now, you know, some people speculate that, uh, you know, Monique is being shown as the villain this season. Some think that uh, production is going too soft on Candace. Or, well, it depends on however you look at that. Depending on which uh, which fan base you subscribe to, then, you know, you might feel like your person is getting a good or bad edit. But I want to leave y'all with that question and see who y'all actually thought was getting a good or a bad edit this season. If anybody, they all might be getting the same shady production edit that they always get. So... That might be, you know, completely unrelated, but I'm going to leave it to y'all to decide because we had a little, let me throw it out there too. We had a little moment. Uh, I'm, I said little, but we recorded for about five hours yesterday. Uh, Mocha Minutes with Stephanie, me, her, Taria, Obi, oh my God, we had the, the best time and we talked about this. I actually wasn't going to do an episode about this, but I was like, it wouldn't make sense for me to kind of leave it out on my podcast when I did this like super in-depth episode last week. So I was like, let me take some notes. Lord, these notes so goddamn long. I was like, let me take some notes and actually talk about this. But that was one of the things we kind of touched on on uh, that episode. You can head over to Mocha Minutes to actually hear the whole episode. It's two parts. One that dropped uh, on Tuesday and the other one will be dropping on Thursday. So depending on when you hear this, they might both actually already be out. But I don't know. It's it's hard to say. So that's why I'm not really, you know, diving into that. I'll let y'all decide however y'all want to decide that. Uh, good luck. May the odds be in your favor. Uh, all the Hunger Game shit. Let's start back at the end of last episode because, you know, this fight kind of, you know, it, it picked right off. You know, you if you went to the bathroom, you know, during the, the opening scene of this episode, you missed the whole damn fight. So... <laughs> Let's start back kind of at the end of last week. It's weird to me that, in my opinion, it seems like all this started when Candace merely kind of made a joke. Well, not even a joke. She was drunk and she said that I love all of you guys. And I guess that hit a wrong chord with Monique or maybe Monique had been wanting to fight this girl all along. But Monique, basically, instead of letting it ride, she chose to challenge her on that. This ended up, you know, where the dramatics kind of started. They both went back and forth. And, you know, up until this point in the season, Candace has really been taking the approach of apologizing or walking off repeatedly. This time, you know, she was a little lit. She decided to stay, which, you know, a group of seven women, she's entitled to do that. The twirling and the spinning began, and then the verbal back and forth started. And it's almost like <laughs> this is going to be kind of a crazy approach, but I almost want to break this fight down person by person because the Bravaholics on Instagram and Twitter, they, when I tell you, y'all are the next generation 
of Inspector Gadget and Perry Mason, if I've ever seen it. Murder, She Wrote, Lil' Angela Lansbury. Y'all got some futures out there. Y'all slowed this fight down. Y'all put captions on it. Y'all were figuring out who was wearing what rings to figure out who pushed Monique. It was all kind of good, what I call good bullshit going on. And I was here for it. So I did my own kind of analysis. I hope y'all don't mind. I'm going to sidestep all your pictures and slow motion videos. And I'm going to tell you what I said. Because, you know, you didn't tune in to hear what you did. You tuned in to hear what I did. So... Let me go ahead. We're going to take this person by person. It's in no particular order, but it's just, you know, kind of telling you my thoughts and basically what I saw when I watched this whole thing. Let's go ahead and start with Candace. So Candace, as you remember, is constantly, you know, at this point, she's getting her hair flipped. She's saying, what you going to do? Drag me, sis. You going to drag me, sis. You going to drag me, sis. You know, constantly saying that to me, people, you know, depending on, of course, which team you're on. People were inferring that to say, oh, well, she asked for it. She asked for that. Be I never took it as that. And her immediate reaction after all this happened gave me the impression that she never thought that this was going to become physical. It seemed to me that she was hearkening back to last season, that infamous moment with pregnant Monique and Candace going at it. And Monique saying, I'm going to drag you pregnant and all. And Candace like, oh, you going to drag me, sis? You going to drag me? And so they going back and forth with that. It seems like she's thinking that this is just going to be another silly verbal altercation, not knowing that now Monique is apparently sick and tired of being sick and tired. So she grabbed a chunk of that hair. Now, Candace, let me tell you something. You would be a fool if you don't take this opportunity, because I know you have a hair company. If you don't come out with a wig glue by the end of the week, You'll be the biggest fool on the planet. Listen, you you would be able to give Jeff Bezos a run for his money. The way that wig stayed on. Now, look, it, it got a little big now. Now, she, she, she fucked that wig up. I'm not going to lie to you. But the wig stayed in place. That wig, that hair got bigger than, I, I don't know if he was trying to be Peg Bundy or, or Marge Simpson, but regardless their wig stayed down you remember how candace when you first joined the show how karen was uh that wig was shifting and every time the wind blew that wind would shift one way and then it uh, a gust will come the other way and then it shifted the other way you don't want to be like that just had that clip playing and then show how you your wig persevered throughout that fight and then just put that video on your website candace i promise you you'll be able to get out of you what you said what they call your mama's house in a moment, you'll be out of there next year. You'll be uh back living in Potomac <laughs> since only one of y'all live there. So or maybe two. I think they said Monique and Candace living. I'm not Candace. Karen living in Potomac. Let me get off where these ladies live because at this point, I'm I'm harking on it. So then, right after that, let's go to Monique. So now we're on the second one of seven. Monique began with the hair flipping. You know, all like that. People are saying that wine was thrown in her face first, but to me, it looked like she had already, you know, had that, uh, <laughs> had the, that hair twisted up like Bantu knots at that point, had it twisted like black spaghetti. And so she did that. And then at some point during the pulling, that glass was not thrown, but the wine out of the glass was thrown into her face. I guess that set her off even more. Cause that's when she took that left hand that was free. Cause she was grabbing with the right and started swinging. Now, keep in mind, we can talk about both Wendy and Monique now, so let's go ahead into our third character. Because at this point, she swings. The first hit hits Candace. The second hit hits Candace. The third hit hits Wendy on her uh, head. And that's when Wendy really starts to take this serious because before this, you know, the green-eyed bandits, Wendy, you know, all of them are pretty much in the background. Can't You know, Karen's looking off the other way. Like, what is happening right now? It really kind of hearkened on them at that point that, oh, shit, this this is a real fight right now. These motherfuckers about to swing. These are, they are in the process of swinging on each other. It was when they, because that girl almost flipped Wendy's hat. You know, when you when you go to church on Sunday and you buy that new crisp hat that come in the box and, you know, where all my Kojiks at? You know, your Kojiks, you get that big old hat. You know, everybody hates Chris, the, uh, the hat competition at church. You put that hat on, you go in there and you wait for somebody to say something bad about your hat. You just waiting on it. And so, Wendy, I know by that point, she was like, now, wait a minute. 
Cause she get luckily she was wearing that damn hat. Cause uh, Monique hit her ass right in the head, and that's when she started taking it serious, and that's where all the damn hollering came from. Cause y'all was wondering who doing all that screaming. That was Wendy. <laughs> I'm not talking about the restaurant. I'm talking about the doctor. Wendy was doing all that screaming, and then it it was whew, it was a mess. Most so we so we got Candace in the head grip right now. Monique throwing the swings. Production wrapped around her trying to pull her off. Wendy is one of the ones trying to break it up. Giselle is actively trying to break up the fight as well. But this is where we got to give credit to our Bravo verse. You know, this is our, all our people, our Bravo celebrities, our Bravo holics, uh, Bravo itself. All the sh- everybody, they slowed this fight down. They did everything. They they saw. A random black hand. If for some reason they've been trying to pin on Robin since Sunday, it was Giselle's hand pushing Monique back, basically saying like, "Oh, y'all not about to do this now." You know, it wasn't no malice behind it. She's basically pushing her like, "No, y'all not gonna do this." But they did it, Giselle. I mean, listen, maybe Angel them listened to you, but Monique was ready to fight, so it wasn't <laughs> it wasn't too much you you or your rings or your black shirt was gonna do about it because. They was ready to jack, okay? To jack. Robin, let me tell you something. Robin is me. I am Robin, and Robin is me. If you look <laughs> at that fight, Robin was not about to get in the way and take no licks for two people she barely liked. She like, look, I'm about to stay back here. Y'all already fucked up these people's uh, charcuterie. <laughs> Y'all fucked up their knives. Y'all sat up here and wasted all this wine. This uh, All the cheeses, all the charcuterie is on the floor. All this lettuce that they're trying to feed us. Everything is on the floor right now. What I'm going to do, the one piece of thing that is still intact in this room, this table, I'm going to try to hold because one, y'all trying to flip this motherfucker over anyway. And the table was already just two logs sitting on top of each other. One one log going vertical, one log going horizontal. That was the whole table. And look, y'all had already fucked up all of them people's shit, okay? <laughs> Ain't no way around it. Y'all fucked up all of them people's shit in that, uh, in that damn winery. That lady was trying to salvage so Bravo's bill wouldn't be too damn high. James or Carlos King or Andy Cohen, somebody was about to come swipe that, uh, that black card after a while. They weren't playing with y'all. Robin was trying to keep <laughs> Robin was trying to keep that bill as low as possible. She, if you look and see, if you really, really watch that scene, she had a death grip on the table, really trying to keep that table up in a float. She said, Oh hell no. She was like my own girlfriend. She wasn't doing that shit with y'all. Robin, I'm with you on that. On to number six. Then we get to Karen. Karen, really, your main contribution was wearing that cape. She had that Fendi cape on. Her ass was running. She was running like Flojo. She was running from that side to that side. She was everywhere. I mean, goddamn. Karen was panicking. But that, I know one thing. That voice got deep as hell when she was trying to get Monique off of that girl. Let her go, Monique. Let her go. Let her go. Monique did not turn that ass loose, though. That, listen, this was some ghetto shit, but I loved every minute of it. Ashley, Ashley, right when them people started flipping her, Ashley went to the bathroom. Ashley must have been pissing like a racehorse because she came out and missed the whole damn fight. And I feel like I was sitting on that couch watching that fight for a good 15 minutes. It was really only about three, but that's inconsequential, okay? That lady <laughs> missed that whole fight. And let me tell you something. That gets into what I really want to talk about. The day I don't know what was going on with the captioning in this episode. Why did they feel the need to tell us every time something happened as if we didn't have eyes? So like they sat there, you know, they at this point they locked up. Monique got a good a whole like what's it called a hemisphere of this girl's hair in her hand. Everybody has jumped in at this point. You know, uh, Candace is trying to get her off of her. You know, everything is going down. They put up the caption because the producer started running in. At this point, we all know James. James has been on every single episode of Potomac at this point. He, I'm talking about the fourth wall does not exist, season five of Potomac. Whew, they, they put in the caption, producers arrive during this whole commotion. Bitch, I know. I see him. I got two eyes. 
What are, what are you telling me that for? I don't understand. Then when Ashley Ashley returns from the bathroom, uh, no shit. I see her. <laughs> we we knew what she was doing. She wasn't gone that damn long. The fight was three minutes tops. She just so happened to, she got that weak ass uh baby bladder from just having dang you know her uh, her ass already ripped. She don't have to listen. It's a lot going on downstairs with Ashley. She's just trying to figure that shit out. She couldn't uh she couldn't watch the 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 fight and sue. She had to pee. Ashley, I'm not mad at you. I'm just not I'm not sure where these captions and stuff came from. Ooh, side note. You you know whenever I say side note, it's about to be some bullshit. The fact that Robin and James at one point, you know, Robin was over there holding the table the whole time, but James was right behind Monique with a grip on her trying to get her loose. Why Robin and James got the same haircut? So at one point when that man was trying to pull her off her, I was like, oh, Robin is helping. I was like, oh, shit, that is not Robin. I had to listen. The, my spirit and my ancestors had to go apologize to Juan. I was like, Juan, I'm sorry. You know, Robin is my favorite. I didn't mean to talk about that lady like that. <laughs> they both got the same. Now, I don't listen. I don't know if that was shade to James for having a a, 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 a mixed black woman hairstyle. I was about to say something else, but I listen. I'm trying to uh, keep this podcast up as long as possible. I don't want these people snatching my shit down because I'm. Uh, what they call politically incorrect. So I'm trying to be politically correct with y'all. I don't want, <laughs> I don't want uh, them people snatching my stuff down. So I'm just going to say James had a, a mixed woman hairstyle, or I don't know if uh, Robin had a, a gay white man hairstyle. Either way, listen, Robin, it worked in your favor this time. Okay. I'm not mad at you. At some point they get everybody separated you know, uh, Monique is basically off on one side. Karen is running back and forth between the two groups. And then everybody else is on the side of Candace, pretty much trying to figure out what just happened. How did they get to that point? Robin was uh, dripping wet like she was in a wet T-shirt contest. I don't know what, what all happened with Robin. but And, and you know what? what's even funnier is when they finally showed Robin, Robin was still putting that table back together again. <laughs> Robin was still turning the table around. Listen, Robin won't go help y'all fight, but she was like, look, y'all fucked up all these people's shit. I'm just trying to uh get some of this deposit back. Y'all know Giselle uh trying to save money and shit. She did later trying to rebuild that house. And she all sitting up here uh tearing up all these folks shit. I'm listen. They finally get Monique in that stairwell alone. And of course James, you know, the the eighth housewife basically is over there and Monique is trying to get out the door. She hears Candace, you know, Candace is like, you know, you ghetto bitch. How could you do this? You know, you know, the, the typical, like, you know, love and hip hop soliloquy that happens after every fight. You know, when two good friends get to fight on no love and hip hop, you know, that dramatic Shakespearean monologues tends to happen afterwards. You know, I was your best friend for all of these years. I held you down when you had no money. I was there. When you needed a ride, I came in my car. When you needed someone to watch your kids, guess who was there for you? I was. I didn't charge. You know, one of them real long Shakespearean monologues that happens after the fight. Monique is still ready to jack. She's trying to get out the door. James is like, absolutely not. Monique said, listen, I'm going to walk down these stairs. I don't know what the hell in this basement. You know, uh, I, listen, I listen to a lot of serial killer podcasts. I don't go in nobody's basement. So, Monique, you braver than I'll ever be. Monique went down in that basement. She somehow found a way out of that building. They were ushering Candace out that door to put in that car. Monique came around that corner like she was trying out for the Olympics and asked her, is that Monique running? Yes, girl, that's Monique running. Go do something about it. Monique come out of there running like she trying out for the Olympics. She make it down there. All of them producers had to catch her. The funny part was she was doing it and Candace was already gone. It was like, Candace was already in the phone talking to Chris. She was like, look, <laughs> her Chris, not Monique's Chris. So in, the, in the car talking to her Chris, telling him already about what had just ensued. Now, listen, I'm going to tell you one thing, though, just to kind of backtrack. The moment of Candace actually walking out of the building 
and her apologizing to all of the staff as she's walking out. You know, she turns, she has that moment and she says, I'm very, very sorry. I'm I'm so sorry. I didn't know any of this was going to happen. That I was already anxious leading up to this episode, but that kind of broke my heart. That was really sad because I was just kind of sitting there like you can tell she genuinely did not think it was going to get to this point. Like genuinely, she had no idea it was going to get to the point that it got. None of them, I don't think, expected it to get physical. It did. And she sits there. I think she just was thinking that, uh, you know, people online trying to justify it as, you know, well, she kept saying, drag me, you go drag me, you go drag me. It's evident that was not, you know, it was a, if you're a Potomac fan, you know, that was a callback to last season. That was an invitation to beat that girl's ass. You know, it, I don't know. It, she truly just didn't seem to think it was going to get to that point. And it was kind of that, that particular moment was kind of heartbreaking for me. You know, Potomac had me with my mouth wide open that episode, but that part really just kind of like, you know, it was a little, oh, I, it, I don't know. I feel like I need to kind of explain, you know, one of the benefits of this podcast, you know, when you, you talk to production, you talk to other people, other Bravo, uh, Holics that know stuff that talk to producers and all like that. You learn a little bit about the stuff. So one thing that I've recently learned that put everything in perspective for me was that all of this on screen kind of happened out of order. So it seems as if Candace had canceled on the uh, Not For Lazy Moms podcast before they had even went to the lake house. And then they get to the lake house. And now with that in mind, all of Monique's kind of tailored outbursts that were really directed towards Candace. Now they feel kind of like, okay, it makes a little more sense because watching that as a fan, I was like, I'm like, that was a small moment. Why is this turned into a huge thing every single time? And, you know, Candace kept walking away or apologizing. I wasn't understanding why it kept turning as negative and as big, I guess, as it was. But now, knowing that, it makes a hell of a lot more sense. Because I think Monique's birthday is in like October. But as you saw in the text message, she had canceled back in September. It was a lot. Listen. Ooh, they still at this point, they're still at the uh at the barn. Ashley, you know, Monique is back inside at this point and Ashley is asking Monique what happened. And this is the question I kind of want to ask you or leave on you before I go to the next part of this episode. Wendy said on Twitter that Ashley basically, she said, how do you come out of the bathroom missing the entire altercation and then blindly pick a side? Because, you know, in that moment, Ashley said, oh, so she was egging you on as Monique was talking. And my question is, did she blindly choose a side, like Wendy said? Absolutely. So she's egging you on. Ashley then retorted on Twitter and said, uh, I'm not blindly choosing a side. I have history with her and I was going based off of uh, my previous encounters with her. Something to that effect. Listen, it's very obvious that a divide is coming very strong. I think we know what side Ashley and Karen are on, and I think we know what side the rest of the group is on. So I want to leave y'all with that. And then one of the other moments that we kind of get, we get both Monique and Candace in the car explaining the situation to their respective Chris's. So Monique is in the car on her way home. You know, Karen puts her in the car saying, I don't like you talking like this because Monique was saying if she sees Candace again, she's going to kill her. All this kind of stuff. And so, you know, she's like, I don't want you talking like this. And so she gets in the car. She talks to Chris. Chris talks about how embarrassing that is. She's like, I'm not embarrassed. You know, it happens sometimes. You know, she do all that talking and yada, yada, yada. And basically it boils down to whether or not you're remorseful that something like that comes to that kind of conclusion. It did. Candace, on the other hand, her reaction seemed 
entirely polar opposite, basically. Candace was telling Chris, you know, I hate the fact that it came to that. And I hate the fact that uh, I'm perpetuating stereotypes. You know, it, it, now it's going to be this ghetto black girl, you know, yada, yada, yada. Basically, like saying, like, she felt a greater responsibility put on herself than and, and it was taken away from her in that moment, in an instant. I mean, you know, everyone has the right to feel how they feel. But I, so we're not going to I'm not going to argue the point of whether or not black people should feel obligated to act a certain way or maintain a certain uh, level of decorum and public, you know, because it all kind of boils down to what other races think of us. And it's 2020. I don't know if that's still important anymore. I don't know if we're all still chasing after approval from other races, whether it's the majority or anyone else that's a minority that might not feel as if black people are equal. I should say. I said that because the mere tone and the mere conversations that they're having, like their word choices and everything, it shows who feels remorseful about this, who instantly regrets that it came to this and who was ready for more. And if you can't tell who was who, then you didn't watch the damn episode. Let's quickly kind of discuss the reactions after the fight. So this is a day or two later. They go around basically to each housewife, almost each housewife, and kind of discuss the way they're feeling now that uh, this is over. Wendy kind of starts it off. You know, she's in a room with her daughter. Basically, uh, she's getting ready to do another political commentating thing. And she's she speaks from the perspective of a mom. Basically saying that she fights for people to have a seat at the table. And that kind of altercation is one of the exact reasons they kind of use to not give us a seat. And, you know, Wendy kind of caught some slack uh, for this on Twitter. People saying, like, well, we're building our own table now. And, you know, to which Wendy correctly rebuttaled, well, shouldn't it be both? Shouldn't we be allowed to have a seat at that table as well as having the option of building our own, too? Which I agree with. And uh, listen, we can't tell these people how to react to a fight. You know, we can't tell them how to we can't uh, invalidate their emotions in these moments. So, you know, one, we weren't there. We just witnessed it on TV. But two, we can't, you know, wonder social circles. We don't know if this actually does have ramifications for their jobs. You know, Chris, at some point in the episode, talks about we can't be doing that because, you know, he's directly linked to what, listen, this kind of a gag because he's directly linked to what's now called the Washington football team because they were the Washington Redskins, which was decades of uh, racism. And uh, listen, I'm not going to go down that path, but I just thought that was a little, you know, ironic. Anyway, moving on to Giselle. Giselle spoke about raising, you know, her strong black daughters. She called the fight deplorable and basically kind of echoing Wendy saying that it should never come to physical violence. Giselle is on the phone with Robin and Robin basically says it zapped the energy out of her. But she gave what I feel is the best quotable reaction besides Ashley, (laughs) the best quotable reaction to this fight. She said, Candace is annoying as hell. She definitely has a mouth on her. But to get physical with someone, I can't take Monique's side in there. She's dead wrong. Listen, I've always kind of been, you know, I've never been. I'm, I'm, I consider myself pretty impartial when it comes to all the Housewives shows. Like, you really got to piss me off to get on my bad side. Right now, mostly Beverly Hills is on my bad side and Dorinda. But Dorinda, if she take a season off and come back, I'm sure I'll be okay with Dorinda. Dorinda was just working my nerves this season. She had a very bad season. If she go and do a little reflecting, I'm okay with it. Them Beverly Hills halfers, they ain't got to ever come back. Teddy pissed me off real bad this season. Lisa Renner, bad shaped wig, having ass pissed me off this season. Uh, Erica Jane, not doing shit ass, pissed me off this season. 
cow, but you didn't donate to my charity with your black ass. Pissed me off this season. I can do without a lot of them, but we gonna move on past that. We even they got me. Ooh, Lord. Let me stop because I was I was about to go franchise by franchise and tell y'all who pisses me off, but we'll we'll move past that. Robin gave their quote. I agree with Robin on that one. We go to Candace and Chris. They just wonder basically how it even got to their point, especially after, which I agree with again, Candace says that she's apologized on multiple different occasions now. So at this point, she said, you know, he asked her, what can we do at this point to rectify it? And she basically says, you know, it's beyond discussion at this point. I mean, clearly, if you if you've been following on social media, all this drama on Twitter and Instagram, then you know that they haven't even been in the same room since that altercation. So I think Candace is right when she says it's beyond discussion at this point. We then kind of finish off the the reaction roundup, as I call it, with Karen talking about she has a headache, really kind of even thinking about this fight. But then see, she get to talking about Ray about it. And Ray, Ray, I didn't know you was messy. Ray is real messy. He was asking all about, uh, cause she, Karen kind of goes on, you know, she tells him about the fight or whatever, but then she moves on to discuss Ashley and Michael and how he, she basically confirmed that Michael was in the room with the woman. And of course, Ray's first question is, well, what did he say about having a boyfriend? See that you and your wife messy. That's why. And you see that two messy people don't never work out because Karen talked in that confessional about how she tricked you into going to therapy. And I see that you tricked that man into going to therapy and then he hurt your damn feelings in that therapy. We going to talk about that later though. Fast forward to Monique and Candace in that kitchen. This was a bit, I'm not gonna lie. This was a tad bit uncomfortable for me to watch for multiple different reasons. One, I'm not sure why, but this conversation felt so out of place to have in front of her daughter. I don't know why, but cause I'm really, I'm not that guy. You know, I'm, I'm far from conservative, but you know, I'm not, I don't know. I'm not naked in the pool throwing tiki, tiki torches either, but I damn sure appreciate the people that do. Okay. But I'm not, I'm pretty far from a conservative person, but I don't know. It felt I don't know. The irony wasn't lost on me that the children or the daughter was in the room while they were having this discussion about two black women fighting. And I don't know. It just seems like, you know, we have all these conversations about, well, uh, are they impressionable to, you know, be, you know, influenced by this kind of behavior or what? But I don't know. It, that was just some in the background, but it also made me uncomfortable because it seemed like Chris and Monique were on two entirely different wavelengths. Monique still was like, you know, and I beat the bitch up again. <laughs> and basically, you know, I, I, I did a little, uh, I, I took some liberties there with that statement, but you know what I mean? And Chris is basically, you know, he, that man is a professional Well, he's retired, but you know, he's still very much linked to the Washington football team. He's doing a, a ton of uh, other different things. He is very concerned about their image and you have to be, I mean, you know, it's easy to say, uh, I don't care what other people think about me, but if your professional image is on the line, then you have to take it seriously, especially if that man is the bread and butter of the household. So if he's saying that you can't be out here, uh, you know, embarrassing us or giving us a bad image, then you got to take that into consideration because, I mean, listen, she told us that her mama told her to what step on the foot, grab the hair and punch in the face. So maybe, I, I don't know, they go have to sit down for some therapy and he go have to tell her, now look, you can't be out here busting holes in the head while uh, these people watching me. I'm trying to become a, a commentator or maybe I want to own a piece of the red, the Washington, uh, <laughs> I don't know what they'd be called next, the, the, the Washington booty cheeks or the Washington uh, black skins on it. Listen, they let black folk name it. Maybe it'll be the, the Washington pork rinds. I don't know. The red skins, pork skins, pork rinds. I don't know that that ain't got nothing to do with this conversation, but Monique in this kitchen. The other thing that bothered me was she was still kind of pushing this narrative 
that she was threatened or basically that Candace was quote unquote in her face. I don't know. I guess I, I'm going to leave that up to the, the universe to decide because, you know, depending on which way people sway online, people will really find a way to kind of say that Candace instigated this fight or Monique instigated, however you fall. Nothing I say right now is going to change your mind. So uh, fall on whichever sword you want to <laughs> or fall to the side like my ass. I don't really give a damn. You know, we'll just be some falling motherfuckers. It's okay. This next part, I debated whether or not I was going to talk about together or separately. They gave it to us separately, so let's go ahead and talk about it separately. Giselle and her dad. So the first part, I know y'all are like, oh shit. Giselle and her dad, the first part is when they all basically uh, get there in Atlanta. And the girls go to the bathroom, so you know all the daughters are there. They go to the restroom, and Giselle takes the opportunity to basically tell her dad that her and Jamal are giving it another go. Her dad, we don't know what, at this point, we don't know what he's feeling on the inside, but he tells her that he will never stand in the way of true love. He only wants the best for his granddaughters and for his daughter, and that he wants her to be happy. We also find out that, I don't know if we knew this in the past. I feel like, you know, I'm, I feel like I'm a, a blue eyed, Oh, the Lord Jesus. I'm thinking about, uh, Karen cheating with that man. <laughs> I feel like I'm a green eyed, uh, psychologist, but I feel like I don't remember this ever being revealed. They talk about how her dad didn't come to her wedding I don't think I knew that. I don't I don't know if we've learned that on the show previously or not, but obviously it was because, you know, the dad got a bad sense about Jamal and, you know, they got divorced, so the dad wasn't wrong about that. So I, I won't say that, you know, he uh put no bad juju or voodoo or uh me and you two two on that relationship, but you know, the dad see stuff, he saw it and he didn't want her to get married. He didn't show up to the wedding at all. He told her, you know, if they get married again, he'll actually come to this one. Now, look, that's what he said, but we'll find out at the end of the episode something a little different. But since they split it up, I'm going to split it up too. Let's go ahead and talk about Ashley. And Ashley, yes, God, bitch, okay? Ashley, people might say a lot about you. People might say a lot to you. But I got to give you props. I, I'm with you on this one. You set up and had another child with the man and <laughs> you told this man, you, you got the game figured out. You basically told that man, pay me for my pain. And I know that's right. So this scene starts off. Ashley is basically kind of giddy, not giddy about the fight, but she's happy because she's like, well, look, ain't nobody talking about Michael's infidelity anymore. All they talking about is, uh, <laughs> It's uh, Mike Tyson Samuels cutting up in that barn. And so she's really happy about it. Her and Michael end up having a discussion. He comes home. You know, she puts the baby down. They end up having this uh, kind of long conversation. And Ashley basically swears that if Michael is unfaithful again in the future, she's going to leave. Do we believe that? Uh, I don't know. I might be a little more convinced now that she has two kids and and a, a, a post-nuptial agreement. So, you know, with all of that, I might be a little more inclined to believe that she'll actually leave. But I don't know. She might, I'd actually just get, get one more baby, one more, and then we'll feel real secure. So we, listen, that's just my advice. Get, get one more baby, and then you will really listen. Oh, ooh, I, uh, I sound like a gold digging motherfucker from the projects. It's okay. Listen, Ashley, do what you do. Get one more baby. Do what you do. Get one more baby. So she keeps making it a point, though, and it's really bothersome to me. She keeps making it a point to say that they've both done things that have contributed to the point of the marriage getting here, basically. And that's what I'm really unclear about. I'm unclear if she's like trying to share the hot seat with him. Like she's trying to make it a hot love seat or a hot recliner or a hot futon or something like 
I don't get why she keeps trying to put herself right next to him in all of this scandal. But I'm also wondering, is there a bigger story that us as the fans don't necessarily know? So I'm wondering if, okay, well, if she said, she said it now on Twitter and on the actual episode that she's had roaming eyes and all this kind of stuff. I need to know if you've cheated too. And that's why you keep giving Michael these passes about cheating. I don't know. Somebody got to tell me somebody (laughs) hit my DM. I need to know something else about the Darby's marriage because just this doesn't seem right. This almost seems like battered woman territory when you're kind of finding a way to still excuse his behavior, but you want to, you know, you want to condemn yourself. I don't know. It's all just really weird for me. And then Michael goes on to say uh, that with Ashley, there's a disconnect with the sex for some reason. Like not that they're not having sex, but the actual sex seems disconnected. And Ashley basically asked him, she look, she moved right on past that shit. She was like, are you going to be able to be disciplined enough to not cheat in the future? He says, yes, quote unquote, because I have to. Ashley brought up their postnuptial. And to my absolute surprise, Michael actually agreed to it. He said, that's something we need to look into. Wow. I'm, uh, listen, I'm Ashley. Keep doing what you do. You need to protect you and your son. It's not just you anymore. It's a different thing when that man moved you down the street to them podments. <laughs> As Funky Dineva said, down to them podments down the street. That was one thing. But now you got your child. Don't let that man put you and your child in a one-bedroom apartment while he up there living in that nice condo or that deluxe apartment in the sky. You tell that man you want half and you want some for each one of them babies. I'm not mad at you. I know as a man, y'all probably want me to say, you know, oh, no, she need, uh-uh. Hell no, Ashley. Get yours because he definitely out there getting his. We end up getting this next scene cut up again. You know, they, they originally go back to uh, Giselle and Jamal and all of them. But I'm actually go on to Karen and Ray's scene first. The Huger family therapy. Man, oh, man. This was a little bit of a hard scene to watch. I know they laughed a lot of the way through it, but you can tell it was a lot of, you know, a lot of people laughed their way through pain. That's what exactly what this felt like. It felt like both of them really had a lot they wanted to say, but they felt like they needed to kind of creep their way into it. It felt real Nene and Greg-ish back when they first like was starting to separate now look ray ain't went on no uh radio station and embarrassed that lady the way that he did nini or nothing but <laughs> but still it felt like so it seemed like they were giving disproportionate answers so it felt like ray was kind of holding on to a little more uh than karen was it really kind of shows me that karen even though she's been open about it on the show, like in that interview chair with the producers, and she's talked about it with Monique, it feels like she's discussed her marriage with other people more than she's actually discussed it with Ray. And that's why some of those answers that she's getting is so disproportionate. So the the radio host, <laughs> thank y'all for pointing that out to me, the radio host that they have as a therapist, child, Ask them what annoys you about the other person. Karen gives a funny answer that you would expect someone to give with that question. She says he's always snoring and she can't get no sleep because Ray is always snoring. And Ray's like, well, you know, I can't hear me snoring when I'm sleeping. You know, they all laugh about this or whatever. And so me as the viewer, I'm expecting to get the same level of answer from Ray. She then asked that man, What annoys you about Karen? He says that she's always busy and has no time for him. Well, damn, you you blew that right at the box, right? He goes on to talk about how he used to feel like uh, she would cook all the time. She no longer cooks. And he feels like the reason she doesn't cook anymore is because the kids are out of the home. And she was always cooking for the children, so she no longer needs to cook because the kids are gone. Ray is not a priority enough to cook for. 
At least that's the way that he's portraying it. And that's the way he feels. She says that she's always been in love with Ray. Anybody that knows him knows that she loves her some Ray. And Ray says, I think I'm still in love with you too. That shit was painful to watch. Especially when you know these people have been married for over 20 years. Ray and Karen have been together for a long time. And they know it's not going to always feel like the first date, the first year of marriage, that honeymoon phase, none of that. The first child it's go, it's going to have its ebbs and its flow. You know, it's going to, it's going to, it's going to do what it's going to do. Despite that though, it doesn't make it easy to hear that. And that's exactly what Karen kind of conveys. She said that's a huge discovery for her and her marriage. And that she's glad that Ray was being open and honest during that session. But that doesn't mean the shit don't hurt. Karen, I'm actually, and you know, Karen, I ain't on your side a lot. But I'm actually on your side with that. I understand that. Because it's wonderful that you actually got this man to open up about all of his feelings. And apparently the environment was comfortable enough for him to do that. He's been fighting therapy throughout your entire marriage. And he's finally agreed to go. That's a huge thing. And so for you to find someone that actually makes him comfortable enough to have that level of conversation with you on camera is a big thing. I don't think Michael Darby would ever, ever give Ashley that level of open honesty with a therapist on camera. And I think that's why we've never seen it happen before. Ashley says that they do those kind of things. It's something that we'll probably never see, though. So... I mean, uh, hopefully the Hugers work this out. I'm never going to be one to root against anybody's marriage, despite what I feel about the actual cast member, their husband. I'll never root against that. That's nice little black love. Been going 20 years strong. I'm rooting for y'all. But damn, that was hard to watch. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Team Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is. So they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.